am I supposed to preach today? You got Ronnie preaching, you got his son-in-law preaching, then you got that, and now I'm going to come preach. Well, I'll do my best. Um, it is an incredible honor to share today. 18 years ago, on December 1st of 2004, I stood right here on this stage and I preached my first sermon as the founder of Watermelon Ministries. And Ronnie, uh, after that, came and he laid his hands on me and he anointed me for ministry. I remember uh, Brother Meek, Ronnie's dad was in the audience and he was saying, amen, over and over, amen. I preached about eternity. 18 days ago, my daughter Hannah Grace was on this stage as the ghost of Christmas past, as was my son Luke and my son Joshua, who are also in the cast. Every missionary needs a sending church. This is my sending church. I was looking at our finances, and over the years, 20% of the income that has come into Watermelon Ministries has come from Springhouse or members of Springhouse Church. (laughs) Um, That is a tremendous uh, gift. So when when you put that into perspective, Instruments of Joy has given out more than 850 instruments. 170 instruments have come from Springhouse Church to musicians all over the world who can't afford them. Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in free creative media has been produced because of Springhouse Church. Thousands of individuals have received photographs, portraits made of themselves in, in places all over the world where they couldn't afford that because of Springhouse Church. And thousands of people have heard the gospel in addition to the thousands of people who have heard the gospel because of Springhouse Church. This is a generous church. And for all of the missionaries that you support, I just want to give you a heartfelt thank you. You are making a tremendous difference all over the world. This is my family. Uh, I have nine children. Praise God. These are some of the pictures that you have uh, impacted over the last several years. But today, I'm going to talk about the ghost of Christmas future. And I'm going to talk about the power of good giving. Ebenezer Scrooge is a perfect example of an individual who has fallen asleep to the purpose of his life. He's fallen asleep to the reality of eternity. And so his old partner visited him as a ghost to remind him about eternity. And he's fallen asleep to the gifts of relationships. And so he's visited by the ghost of Christmas past to remind him of the beautiful relationships that he had opportunities for and decided against. And he has fallen asleep to the needs of humanity. So he is visited by the ghost of Christmas present to open his eyes to the genuine needs of those around him. Finally, Ebenezer Scrooge fell asleep 
to his own power for goodness to inject into this world. So the ghost of Christmas future shows him the loss to his community if he chooses to live selfishly and passively. Now, before we get too hard on old Ebenezer, we should probably do a little self-inventory and ask ourselves: have we fallen asleep to the reality of eternity? Have I fallen asleep to the power of relationships? Have I fallen asleep to the needs of humanity? Have I fallen asleep to my own power to bring goodness into this world? Now, I'm a missionary, right? So I'm going to share the gospel. And I got to get this out of my system before I even start, so because otherwise I'll just be waiting to share the gospel the whole time. So I'm going to lead off with the gospel. So what is the gospel? So the word gospel means good news. And the gospel is important to this whole concept of eternity. When you share the gospel, you share the good news, but first you start with the bad news. So the bad news is that sin separates us from God and there are eternal consequences for our sin. That's bad news. You know who talked the most about the bad news in the Bible? You'll be surprised. Jesus. Jesus called this separation from God several names. He called it hell, a grave, a garbage dump, a lake of fire, a place of destruction, a home for demons, a place of torment, a place of outer darkness, a place with weeping and gnashing of teeth, pits of darkness, Hades, and the second death. That's what Jesus called it. Now, even though it's popular to talk about the bad news on the news, it's not very popular to talk about the the bad news in church. But the thing is, I can't just throw out what Jesus said because it's hard to hear. And if I start throwing out a little bit of what Jesus said, I might as well throw out everything that Jesus said. You know, what the word of God says about reality is a lot more important than my reality There's a lot of people out here talking right now about my reality. Well, let me tell you my reality. (laughs) Right? Listen, Jesus has a reality. And he did us the favor to put it in the word of God so that we would understand the reality. It doesn't matter who you are. One one day you are going to stand before reality itself, Jesus Christ, and give account And if you don't understand what reality is, open the word of God. We are tempted to just listen to what other people say about the word of God. But somebody else might be wrong. I got to open this book for myself and understand what does the word of God say about reality? It's dangerous to not read the word of God. All right, are we done with the bad news? That's a lot of bad news. Um. Here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus didn't leave us staring at the grave like Ebenezer Scrooge. He dived into it. And he went down into hell and he conquered death and he conquered sin and he rose again. And he offers eternity with him forever and ever to everybody who accepts him. 
There are two kinds of people in the world, those who choose to worship themselves and those who choose to worship God. And there are two kinds of religions in the world, one that says you have to work your way to heaven and one that says you can't work your way to heaven. The guy had to work his way to you. And there's two eternal destinations. There is a destination with God and there is a destination without God. The gospel is the good news that Jesus loved you enough to die on the cross and he offers you the gift of eternity in his presence as a free gift. Now, just like Christmas, a gift is not something you have to work for. A gift is something somebody else had to work for. Now, you don't have to work for the gift, but you do have to open it. So how do you open the gift of life from Christ? Word of God says there's three things. The first is belief. So you believe the things that I just said. Or in other words, you believe what Jesus said. The second is you confess that you are a sinner and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, you believe what Jesus said. And the third is you repent of walking on the path of destruction like Scrooge being a miser. And you start working on the path of life like Scrooge giving away a big turkey. That's the gospel. All right. My first sermon is done. <laughs> so now I'm going to get into my second sermon. Uh, let's talk about the ghost of Christmas future. Now, Kevin. So Kevin asked me to talk about the ghost of Christmas future. Kevin talks about the ghost of Christmas past, a.k.a. the beautiful ghost. Barbie talks about the ghost of Christmas present, a.k.a. Another really beautiful ghost. And he asked me to speak about the ghost of Christmas future, a.k.a. the creepy guy. <laughs> so, you know, and, 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 to, and to further that, being the master administrator that he is, he sent out copies of the script to all of us who were going to preach so that we could prepare by reading the script. You know how many lines the ghost of Christmas future has? any lines the only thing that goes to Christmas future does is he like stares weird and points at people now I, this ain't my first rodeo uh, preaching that's what I used to do right no that don't work here's your sermon topic you're going to preach about the ghosts of Christmas future have a nice day so so what I've ended up doing is I want to talk about the other ghosts of Christmas future. You know that there's, there's two ghosts of Christmas future? No, there is. There's the other one. He's in the Bible. He's called the Holy Ghost. And, and the Holy Ghost is not pointing at a grave of regret. He's pointing to a heaven of incredibly beautiful relationship. I want to read a passage here from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10, and then 14 through 17. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Picking up in verse 14, it says, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. If you wonder what that is, just look out your window. 
This world has been a great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them from his presence, with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know, I, I know Springhouse impacted me. My first ministry is called Watermelon. I started a business called River Birch. <laughs> um, I want to point out a couple of things from this passage that really stood out to me as I was preparing this sermon. Who's in this great crowd? A great people from every nation, every race, every language. I want to point something out. Heaven is a place of absolute racial diversity. A room full of people who all look the same and talk the same is not what heaven looks like. And so if you aren't comfortable with different cultures and different colors and different languages and different ways of living, you are not going to be comfortable in heaven. So you better get comfortable with that. All tribes, all languages, all nations. The other thing is it says salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. These people from every nation, every race, every language, every tribe, they're not competing for worship. They're worshiping the one who made all. If you're not comfortable with worship, you better get comfortable with worship because that's all the heaven is. I want to look at what is it that God has in his heart for people in heaven forever? Shelter in the presence of God, nourishment, no hunger, no thirst, refreshment, no weary toil, health, I love this, no sunburn, Kinship, God with us, directing us to springs of life and peace. No tears, no fears, no regrets. There's another passage. It's Revelation 21, 1 through 4. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adored for her husband, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain. The former things have passed away. We're still in the great tribulation. We are not in heaven yet. Does anybody not know that? If you're trying to live like and have all everything be perfect and happy, you're not going to be happy. But there is a time coming where there are no tears and no death. And there is no mourning and no crying and no pain. That's what hope is. Where are we living for? All right, my second sermon is done. And I only have one more. So this is my third sermon. I want to talk about laying up treasure in heaven. 
First of all, it's pretty crazy that you can lay up treasure in heaven. It's not likely that you're going to win the lottery. But every time you invest in an eternal action, you won the lottery in heaven. You can store up treasure in heaven by what you do with your time and your talent and your treasure. There's three principles for storing up treasure in heaven. I want to talk about three principles for generosity. The first principle is to give relationally. It's important when we give or we invest in something that we remember who it is that we're giving to and who it is that we're working for. I'm, a, I'm one of these strange individuals that loves work. I, I like work. Wade, Wade, you know, the, I met Wade. He was like, hey, can you help me with some yard work? I see that. I see that was a good, that was a good tactic there. Because I just, I throw down to work. I like it. So sometimes I'm working really hard and my wife is like, hey, um, uh, do you remember you have a family with nine kids? I'm like, I'm working for you. I'm working. Now, listen, you can work and forget who it is you're working for. My favorite character in Christmas Carol is Fezziwig. Fezziwig is an individual who gives himself when he gives. And the party that happens surrounding him is because he is a life bringer. Now, in John 14, 15 through 16, Jesus is talking about the difference between transactional relationship and relational relationship. In John 14, 14 through 16, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you a comforter that he may be with you forever. There's a temptation when we are investing in the kingdom of God to do so transactionally. There's a, there's a temptation when we give a church to give transactionally. So we have this view of God like he's a policeman in the sky. He's going to smack us if we do the wrong thing. So I got to do the right thing. I got to give my tithe. I got to do all this stuff. In this verse, there's something really important here. See, God doesn't ask us to obey him before he invites us to love him. There's a huge word in this. The very first word says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. One day, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus in Matthew 19 And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what are the transactions necessary to serve you, God? Or to serve God. He didn't know Jesus was God. So Jesus is like, okay, you want to play the transaction game. That's great. Keep all the commandments. So the young hotshot reminds me of me. He's like, oh, yeah, I got that. I kept all the commandments. And so Jesus said, Give up your possessions and you can have me. Stop all this thinking about transactions and start a relationship. But the guy goes away sad because he loves his money more than he loved God. There's another time that a lawyer comes up to Jesus. He also has the transactional approach. 
But he's looking for the big dog commandments. What's the big dog commandments? So he he says, um, what's what's the ultimate commandment? And Jesus... Jesus gives him a very important answer. See, the, the transactional person is kind of asking, what are the Brussels sprouts that you have to eat in life? So the lawyer comes up. He's a lawyer. He's smart. So he's like, I want to know about the biggest Brussels sprout so I can take that out first. And Jesus gives him an ice cream answer. So, like, I could call my kids into the kitchen. Kids, I command thee, come into the kitchen. <laughs> now, I need, you need to eat something. And then they're like, oh, great, it's Brussels sprouts. And then I'm like, it's ice cream. Jesus offers relationship with God. He's not handing out Brussels sprouts. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you don't have a relationship with God, you need a relationship with God. And keeping his commandments are easy and light because of love. The first way to give and put treasure in heaven is to give relationally. The second is to give sensationally. In the book, The Christmas Carol, when Scrooge gives tiny Tim a turkey, he gives him a turkey that's as big as tiny Tim. He doesn't just give a turkey, he gives a sensational turkey. When God decided to give a gift to us, he didn't give a turkey. He gave his son. When we give, we get to partake in who God is and we get to become like God. God is eternally generous. He didn't start out generous and then stop. He is eternally generous. In our lives, he wants us to be eternally generous. You give of time, you give of talent, you give of treasure relationally, but you give it generously. Whoever sows bountifully, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, in all times, you may abound in every, and then I love this word, good work. There's another verse, which is in Ephesians 2.10, and it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's important to understand that you do not have to be rich to give generously. In fact, the most generous thing that you can give is your time. Because when you give your time, you give yourself. Just like Jesus. 
When man is concerned with money, do you know what his primary concern is? Greatness. How great was this gift? How great is my house? How great is my job? How great is that? When God is concerned with money, do you know what he's concerned with? Goodness. Now listen, if you don't hear anything else that I, I say today, I want, I want this to be super clear. God didn't give wealth for greatness. God gives wealth for goodness. In fact, you are designed for goodness. You are an extension of the wealth and generosity of God. It's your design. Scrooge was asleep to it, but he still had it. And you could be asleep to it, but you still have it. It's what you are designed for. Goodness. A lot of people are looking to figure out what their calling is. I can tell you the secret right now to discover your calling. Generosity. Generosity moves you from addition to multiplication. If you want to walk in the plan that God has for you, give relationally and give sensationally. The final point is to give eternally. You know, there are a ton of people right now who are losing hope because their 401 is, 401k is in the nosedive right now. You know, we, we have people that are just, you know, spend thrifts, they spend money, and then we have long-term investors. Following the Dave Ramsey plan, you've got your emergency fund, you're storing up for retirement. I'm a fan. I like that. That's good stuff. But there's a problem in the whole concept that, that stands out to me. See, if, we, if our only focus is on what we, what we have done with wealth for when we're 65, we lose track of what we have done for wealth when we're 650,000. See, that, that money that we store up for when we're 65, it's all going to evaporate. But the good works that we store up for when we're 650,000, they are there forever. The best investment you can ever make is a minute of time for the kingdom or an hour or a day or a life. God doesn't give temporary gifts. He only gives eternal gifts. So when you look for God's gifts, you're like, how come you didn't give me that, you know, that Ferrari I needed this week? Because he cares about your eternity. And he wants to give you good gifts so you are empowered to be a good gift. I keep saying you. I mean me. Yeah, there's a secret with preachers. Preachers preach what they need to hear. Uh, I want to I share this verse, which, we've, which I mentioned. It says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I've got two good strategies for giving eternally. The first is when you give, 
Make sure God gets the credit. The scripture says, do your works in such a way that that men will give glory to your father in heaven. The second is when you share your wealth, share the gospel. Don't just give people stuff and don't tell them about Jesus. Don't just be transactional. Be relational when you give. Now, I'm not a ghost. I don't have a creepy pointy finger. But if you are an individual who has fallen asleep to your potential for goodness, and you have fallen asleep to the reality of eternity, or you have fallen asleep to the needs of humanity, during this Christmas season, I want to encourage you Give relationally, give sensationally, and give eternally. So Holy Ghost, we pray for that in Jesus' name. I want to share quickly something about Instruments of Joy. Kevin said I could share a little bit about Instruments of Joy. 13 years ago, I was on a mission trip in Malawi, and I met a young man who lived in an AIDS orphanage, and he had, the only thing he could afford was a guitar made out of a gas can and a block of wood. And what I saw in that AIDS orphanage is a bright light. And when this guy got up on his gas can and block of wood and started to play, the entire atmosphere changed. If you think you're poor and can't do anything, You are dead wrong. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. Jesus said that. Um, I was asking God about how to expand instruments of joy because there's a lot of people asking for instruments. And, uh, And God told me, you need to ask for 100 multipliers. Multipliers are people who can give $100 a month or more. That's what we call them, instruments of joy. We have 15 multipliers uh, right now in instruments of joy, and we've been able to give away 860 instruments. If God gives us 100 multipliers, I believe we're going to be able to give away 10,000 quality musical instruments in Jesus' name. Springhouse has been a multiplier since day one of Watermelon Ministries. The impact of this church, the impact of the light bringers that are in this church, couldn't measure. Thank you.